Most of the time, we review books that we really like here on The Book Boys. Other times, we review books that stink. And when a book really stinks, we get fussy. So this is a warning that sometimes we'll swear on this podcast, or sometimes the material that we're reviewing will be adult in nature. So keep that in mind as you listen to this week's episode. Well, Ben, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Ben, anything exciting going on in your life? I, I can't say that there is, no. Nothing? No. No online dating excitement adventure kind of things? Mm. No, nothing nothing really to speak of there, so. Yeah, I don't know, talk to your mom without bird-related <laughs> stuff? Um, She's yeah, always she, going to be your first girlfriend, isn't she? She... I don't like how you say that. <laughs> what did I see that from? There was some show or movie a long time ago where this kid was upset that he hurt his mom's feelings. And then this other guy was like, that's because she's your girl. She's always going to be your first girl. And it was just so disturbing. And I kind of was imagine it, that. Was it be- meant to be disturbing or it was meant no, to be? It was meant to be sweet. It's some movie uh, yeah. I saw back in the 80s, like on cable when I was a kid. So I'm not exactly oh. sure. But. Um. Yeah, your mom's your first girl. You don't talk to your girl very often? Please stop saying that. <laughs> well, I had some things happen in my week for a oh, change or two weeks. Good. All right. Let's hear about it. Well, first of all, uh, the power went out at my house. And uh, and so I, I, you know, the kids and I were all here. And we lit candles and it was all cute and everything. No. But then I realized my house was getting colder. And so I went downstairs and my stupid... Uh, Google Nest thermostat. Uh, if it doesn't have power, it doesn't ever want to turn on and uh, adjust the heat or keep the heat going, even though I got a gas furnace in the basement. So that that's seems like a, a design flaw. Yeah, a huge design flaw. So I looked it up on my phone and it said, uh, oh, yeah, it's, you know, the Google has a battery in it. So don't worry, it'll remember all your presets for a long time. I'm like, well, that doesn't help me now. I literally can't get the heat turned on. So, uh, when the electricity came back on, uh, you know, an hour or two later, uh, I decided, I made a mental note that I'm going to get an old Honeywell thermostat, like the round kind with a little dial. I'm just going to use that from now on, because at least, you know, I can actually Is still there, get heat. There's no way to override that with uh, no. the Google or what? I know. Isn't that stupid? There's no way, if it doesn't have Wi-Fi and it doesn't have electricity going to it, it's just useless. I'm like, well, that's horrible. It's a stupid and you, idea. And you can't bypass that somehow and just... No, I know. I looked into it. There's no way to bypass it. So you, you just stupid. go without heat. I know. Completely yeah. stupid. So I was like, well, screw that. Uh, I used to be all in. I had the smart lights. I had the Google voice thing in almost every single room. Uh, I had the thermostat, cameras. I'm like, I'm all in. Uh, and as time's gone on, I've whittled it down <laughs> bit by bit. <laughs> we don't have the speakers anymore and because uh, no one uses them and they don't work very well. They keep like screwing up on you. Yeah. And uh, and then also, like, the, the cameras I still have, but whatever. So uh, I put in the Honeywell one, and okay. uh, you read the instructions, and it says yellow wire goes to the spot that says Y. Uh, the white one goes to the spot that has a W on it, uh, G for green. I'm like, all right, fine, I got it. So I throw the thing down, and I go, and I start to install it, and I put all the colors to the right letters, and I put the blue wire to the one that says B. Apparently... That's not a wire you're supposed to do, and the B stands for black. <laughs> so I wound up shorting out the converter thing uh, in my first. Wait, wait, did you? So you read like the first part of the directions, and just like, ah, fuck it, I got this figured yeah, out. Yeah, I got and it, I, just... I get it. Like, how redundant? How redundant can this be? I got it. It's like the color goes the one. Fine, I get it. So I did, and I put the blue wire in the one that says B, and all of a sudden, uh, turned it on. Nothing happened. Go down the basement. It smells like something's burning. That was terrifying. I thought I started a fire behind one of the walls or something. Uh, so then I go and I uh, undo it all. And it turns out I shorted out the whatever in there uh, that converts the, the voltage. And uh, so I call the, the uh, furnace person I have. And I said, uh, looks like I screwed up and I burnt something out. And he says, yeah, that thing is com- like your furnace is from the 70s. And uh, there's no way we can get a part for that. He says, I'll look around online, but there's a chance it's going to be someone's going to be like trying to sell it for a thousand dollars if they even have one. I'm like, oh, my God. 
So even I look online, and I can't find anything. He couldn't find anything, so I had to get a whole new furnace installed for $3,000. I hope you learned a valuable lesson in all of this. Yep. One small mistake cost me $3,000. Well, I mean, a furnace that old, you're going to probably need to replace it at some point soon anyway, right? Well, that's the thing. Um, If nothing broke, then it was fine. Like, I had it checked out, and they're like, nope, it's not leaking gas. Everything's fine. This could last you. It's built like a tank. It could last you another 10, 20 years, as long as nothing breaks on it. Yeah, I feel okay. I feel like we've talked about this old furnace before, haven't we? Uh, yes, yeah, it's been a, a topic of conversation in the past. Yes, it has. Because it wasn't it built like a German tank or something, isn't that what they said? Yeah, that's what this one furnace guy said. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's, but he said that you know, as long as nothing breaks, because it's hard to get parts for it, uh, it'll just yeah. keep running forever. Yeah. So yeah, don't break anything there, dipshit. Well, dipshit broke something, and so now I had to spend three thousand dollars I don't have uh, to get the thing fixed. So now uh, I have a furnace again after spending uh, like four days without heat. Uh, and I had a dude, I hear a trick I never learned. If you don't want your pipes to freeze and you have an old furnace that dies or something, you open up the back of the furnace where the fan is and you put a space heater there and crank the space heater at full blast as the fan is going. And uh, that will keep just a trickle of heat going through your house <laughs> so that your pipes don't freeze. So it, it never got below like 55 or so in my house doing that trick. So, yeah, otherwise the kids and I were cold, and uh, now I got a new one in, and that thing just kicks out heat like crazy. And, uh, how how uh, pissed were your kids at you for doing that? They thought it was fun. I told oh, them, okay. I said, you can just stay at your mom's if you want, because it's going to be cold here. And they're like, no, I don't care, it'll be fine. So they got to bundle up, and they had blankets, and they were totally fine. I bought, like, little radiator that you plug in, uh, heaters for their room, so they were pretty warm. They weren't okay. Anything. Just going downstairs sucked. My birthday... Yeah, happy birthday. How was that? Thank Last you. Last Sunday, right? Uh, it was fine. I just hung out with the kids, yeah. Uh, you were wearing, you're wearing a fun smock. Is that a smock? I don't know. <laughs> what are we calling that garment that you uh It's called a cozy. Okay. Uh, it's basically just a big hoodie that goes down to your knees, and it's super insulated. I wore that thing when I didn't have heat, and it was as if I had heat in the house. It was amazing. Just to be clear to the listeners, I, I saw uh, Glenn last week on his birthday, mm-hmm. um, but we were being responsible. It was a, a contactless delivery of his birthday gift. I don't want to give anyone the impression that it was in your house or anything during these times. <laughs> Breathing on be, each other, doing a lot of glad handing, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, there, there was none of that going on. It was a perfectly uh, safe and appropriately distanced exchange of um, birthday egg cartons. So, And as, as uh, saying appropriately distanced, um, the interaction went as far as Ben saying, I'm on my way over, I'm going to drop something off. He pulls up. I see that he's coming. I open the door. He walks up with his mask on, drops the bag off, says, all right, see ya, and turned around and went back to his car. <laughs> well, off. I mean, that's unfortunately that the times we live in, yeah. So. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, I had the cozy on, and it looks ridiculous. Uh, it, it does. Looks, you look like a I... giant gumdrop wearing the thing, but now I'm addicted <laughs> to wearing the thing. Like, it's, it's even got a little pointy hood. So you just look insane. Oh, you did. Wait, did you have the hood on when I saw you? I'm not sure. I think I did. But I made a point of like, uh, I'm going to wear this embarrassing thing. And then as you walk up, I'm just going to shout, don't make fun of me. I wear this because I'm snuggly. <laughs> you just kind of go, OK, all right. See you later. <laughs> Turn around and walked off. <laughs> like, yeah. Didn't even I mean, in, in normal times, I would have stayed and had a f- more in-depth conversation about that article of clothing. But I was expecting you to have a field day, like from my yard, shouting insults at me. But I got nothing. You just turned around and walked off. But why? Well, that's what we have to do. I can't. I can't stick around. It's too dangerous. So. Fine. Uh, I know. It's it sucks. I agree. It sucks. Uh, no, it's fine. I'm just give you a hard time. And that's pretty much it. You had a game night last night that you tried to invite me to, but I was busy. Yeah. Uh, how, what's going on with that? Uh, it's just a Zoom thing. I started a couple weeks ago. My um. Uh, cousin who lives in New York mm-hmm. organizes this thing and invited me to it a couple weeks ago. So I've been doing that now. I think last night was the third night I've done it, third week. So, well, well, well. Um, so yeah, it's me and a bunch of much younger, cooler New Yorkers uh, doing Zoom stuff and playing games. So you're kidding. So you do you you don't know any of them besides your cousin? Well, I, I like to think I know them now after three <laughs> weeks. <laughs> becoming what games fast do friends. You play? Or, uh, we mainly play this. It's called Quiplash. Um, oh, sure. Have you heard of it? 
Yeah, uh, a co-worker of mine sometimes has a game night, and it's this whole line of games that you can play through your browser or your phone. Yeah, Jack, you don't know Jack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's fine. It's just an excuse to make smart-ass comments and have a beer or whatever. So that's that's what that was all about. No, that's cute. But it's it's too bad you're too busy to join us. So don't worry, I found uh, other people. Did join, you? So Did you get we, other we, people to join? I saw that you yeah. the next morning because I went to bed at like I don't know. My phone went to sleep where it doesn't yeah. get any notifications, so I went to bed at like eleven. But then I woke up this morning and I saw you were like, ah, "We're still going." If you want to change your mind, <laughs> yeah, it turned into a late night last night. So did it really? Um, well, look at you partying it up with the twenty year olds. Yeah, apparently. So they, um, what's uh, what's some of the cool new slang the kids are using now? I don't know if I heard any new slang. I guess I'm not sure. Huh. Does anyone do anything ironically anymore? Yeah, don't they? I think so. Does someone no, like a maybe not. They're, maybe they're earnest. They're all like, you know, of a better generation than us, and they're all do-gooders and socially conscious and whatnot. So crap. Um, I suppose it's worth mentioning that my boss, um, who, as you'll recall, had COVID and was mm-hmm. kind of out of commission for a while. Yeah, huh? Thanksgiving family get together. Last I heard. Yeah, yeah. There's that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but when she came back. To the office after her COVID absence, she uh, was uh, talking to me and my coworker about the experience and just saying how important it is to to get enough rest. That was part of the reason why she thought it hit her so hard, because she, you know, she's a workaholic, as I've mentioned before, and she's, mm-hmm. you know, I get emails at all hours of the night and on the weekends from her, <laughs> and, and so she came back and I thought maybe she had a a different outlook on life and was you know stressing the importance of getting enough rest and not over working and she was um huh. you know le- leaving the office on time every day well, but well, well, um, taking care of herself for a change yeah but that's all over she um <laughs> this oh, really? week she's yeah this week she's been talking about how she's been in the office at 6 a.m um i know on friday she was talking about she was gonna be working all weekend i'm like okay uh, so that, that lasted a couple of weeks well done yeah that's obnoxious well, yeah it's just in her system she can't get away from it it's uh no it's too bad because she had an epiphany uh, where she realized I should take care of myself, uh, get more rest, take more time to do the things I enjoy versus all my uh, uh, energy towards work. And she just I don't know right if she enjoys it. anything, though. That's the thing. Like, I can't picture well, I'm sure she what could. she does in her free time. I think she just loves working. Sad. I don't know. She might, like, enjoy painting or it's maybe enjoy sad. stock car racing, but she'll never try <laughs> it because she's too busy working. Oh, and somebody actually wrote to us. Uh, on Instagram. Yeah, I believe the kids call that uh, sliding into our DMs. Uh, oh, look at, at that. At the House Nuzzle Instagram. That's House Nuzzle. Right? <laughs> That's the name of the account, <laughs> yep, isn't it? Just House Nuzzle. Okay. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, we, uh, we got a DM there, which uh, is a nice surprise. We uh, always like to hear from our fans, right? That's what we do. We do it for the fans, so we like to hear it. <laughs> That's right. We live off the fans' love. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we haven't been uh, updating. Actually, thanks to this person, I felt like uh, we should probably be updating <laughs> Instagram because oh, it yeah. is the only way anyone's ever reached out to us uh, since yeah. we started doing this has been through that. Yeah, but it was it was a, it was a nice message. She um, said she was uh, she she thinks we're funny, um, and she wanted to suggest that uh, we read the, the newest Twilight book, uh, Midnight Sun, which. We, of course, will eventually, because we're obligated to at this point. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I thanked her for that. I told her we were planning to read at some point, but we need to probably take a little break from Twilight before we dive into Midnight Sun. So, um, yeah, yeah, thanks. Keep keep those uh, comments and messages rolling into uh, House Nuzzle on Instagram. Well, uh, let's move on to Backyard Blast uh, Bird Blurb. Well, Pan, does uh, Gretchen have anything for us uh, for the Backyard Blast bird blurb? I'm having a tough time saying that lately. I'm yeah. having a stroke. Goddamn right she does. Um, also, I did mention to her that uh, last weekend was your birthday, so the jokes are uh, birthday <laughs> theme for you, buddy. So so I, so I have that to look forward to. Great. Gretchen's Backyard Blast. Oh, she didn't say bird blurb. I wonder if it's not bird-related, so... What? She can't do that. I don't know. It just says backyard blast. So let's, uh, I don't know. Let's read it and find out. (laughs) Anyone who has been trying to feed their feathered friends has probably noticed that the squirrels get most of the food. So this week, we have some squirrel fun facts. 
Oh, backyard huh. blast squirrel statistics. I find I find it hard to believe we've run out of bird content. I, I don't know. Like, why are we? Anyway. Maybe um, there's not enough birds in the world. There's probably only really twelve types. Yeah, and aren't those like CIA drones or something? They're spying on us. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that the QAnon conspiracy theory? Oh, the don't birds tell me that's real. a real conspiracy theory thing. On Reddit, I actually follow um, birds aren't real because it's a joke. <laughs> it's just like okay. the last the last real bird is back in 1978. Uh, that was the last living bird. And after that, it's just been all government drones. And it's a joke. I hope to okay. God no one actually believes it. Well, you, you think like flat earth stuff is a joke, too. But I think some people actually believe it, don't they? I don't, I don't know. Uh, no, that's true. There's actually people that believe it. Anyway, back to the squirrel fun facts. Yeah, squirrel stats. Uh, newborn squirrels are only an inch long. Their yeah. front teeth never stop growing. It's a common characteristic of other rodents, too. They can smell food buried under a foot of snow. Mm-hmm. They don't dig up all the nuts they bury, resulting in more trees sprouting. They run in a zigzag pattern when they feel threatened. <laughs> it's a useful strategy to escape hawks or other predators. Unfortunately, <laughs> it doesn't work so well with cars. <laughs> got, got a little dark there at the end Got any jokes? Apparently the birthday related Knock knock <sighs> Who's there? Omar <laughs> Omar who? Oh my gosh, it's your birthday <laughs> God damn it Knock knock <laughs> God damn it Do I have to interact with all of these? Knock knock <laughs> <laughs> Who's there? Wanda. Wanda who? Wanda, wish you a happy birthday. Don't <laughs> worry, so there aren't any more. Oh, I was just going to say, how many of these are there? Do I have to uh, go that, through this torture? It's because it's all it. focused on birthdays, and so that's the reason why it's torturous. Otherwise, hilariously uh, adorable. Well, all right. Let's move on to a new segment that when I proposed it to Ben... I said, I want to do this, and it's supposed to be ridiculous, and it was supposed to make you get, like, say something, but you just said, all right, fine. Well, Ben, this is a new segment I'm adding in called What's Up? Uh, new Books for Teens. <laughs> Which I expected you to try to talk me out of, but you didn't. I yeah, no, I'm sorry. Did you when you sent that to me, I think I was kind of distracted. I don't know if I was at what I was up to, but I, I saw it come in and I like read it, and I knew you were trying to get a reaction. I just kind of said okay though, and I was going to get back to it. <laughs> and I I kind of forgot, but I um, yeah. What uh, what are you calling the segment? It's called What's Up. <laughs> New books for teens. <laughs> that's not precisely how you described it, though. You you said you're thinking of calling it "That's What's Up." New books for teens that slap. <laughs> yeah, Which... that's right. yeah, that's right. Well, I truncated okay. it. Okay, uh, thank you. Just down to "What's Up." New books for teens, and I even have parentheses next to it. Fun teen music. So I got to go find that. <laughs> All right. Well, this week's book from Penguin Random House which came out on December 8th of this year, uh, called The Prom, a novel based on the hit Broadway musical by Sandra Mitchell and Bob Martin and Chad Belgwin and Matthew Scholar. So apparently it's one book that had to have a million people help write it. Uh, (laughs) Just like every other teen book I was looking up, uh, they're all soon to be HBO or Netflix or some streaming media television show. This one is soon to be a Netflix film, uh, film starring Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman, Kerry Washington, Keegan-Michael Key, James Corden, Andrew Rannells, and Ariana DeBossel. I've heard of most of those people. Have you? I, I Besides, it stops for me at Keegan-Michael Key. Then after that, I have no idea who the rest are. Uh, do you well, want to hear about it, Ben? <laughs> Goddamn right I do. Sure you do. Emma Nolan and Alyssa Green share the same goal. Uh, debut as a couple at their senior prom. Only a few things stand in their way. Okay, maybe more than a few. For one, Alyssa hasn't come out yet. And it's not that she doesn't want to, but with a mother on the PTA who will stop at nothing to prevent same-sex couples from attending prom, it's not a conversation she's eager to have, with good reason. Before long, Mrs. Green has the entire town backing her up and it's starting to look as though Emma and Alyssa won't get there happily ever after. Then, out of the blue, two Broadway stars arrive on the scene. 
uh, to fight on the girl's behalf and get a little publicity along the way. Uh, but when their good intentions fall flat, it's up to Emma and Alyssa to take matters into their own hands and show their small Indiana town and the world that love is love. Any thoughts about that, Ben? Um, well, I mean, is part of the rationale of this segment is like, are we going to be reading this book at some point or why? No, I just want to tell the world about wanna, new exciting teen books. Just want to be relevant. Okay. <laughs> um, yep. I want to be hip and relevant. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, that sounds like uh, an intriguing tale. I might have to uh, reactivate my Netflix account just to watch it, right? Yeah. Well, I think there's something else on Netflix, isn't there, where it's like a small, another small town thing where famous people come in. I, I don't know if it's this. Maybe I'm actually reading about the one I've heard about on Netflix. Like it just is out released now or something. But I'm, I'm sorry. What, what's it called? The Prom? I think it's on Netflix now because I did see something about like it's a small town and it takes a bunch of famous people to come in and save whatever. And I was like, that sounds really stupid. I wonder if it's the prom. Um, yeah, well, this is this is a good segment. I think this will come in handy on my uh, Saturday night Zoom parties with the, the hip kids. You can, <laughs> can talk about the prom. Hey, 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 everyone. Did you watch the prom yet? Boy, that's a great story, huh? <laughs> exactly. Uh, then you can give them fun facts. Like, did you know it took four people to write the book before it became a Broadway <laughs> musical? <laughs> well, there's that. Let's move on to our uh, our next segment. Yeah. This week, we read The Clue in the Crossword Cipher by Carolyn Keene. Uh, it was uh, published on the 1st of January, 1967, by Grossip and Dunlap. I was just uh, looking up things, sort of like the what I normally do, background or context on the book. I'm not going to go through all of it, but when this book was written, the Vietnam War had happened. We have, like, the segregationalist governor of Georgia that was sworn in. There's a ton of race rioting that was happening <laughs> back then. Uh, yeah. Things with the like, the some, Apollo exploded. Uh, some some during, things never change, huh? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, but then kinda, you have like, yeah. all the hippie stuff going on. Uh, and then also like the uh, in Detroit had one of the worst riots in United States history, which the places that yeah. burned, they just never were able to try to repair. So like to this day, I guess, there's still segments of Detroit that are still burned out from back then. All of that going on, and they wrote this delightful little book instead. <laughs> but what are they supposed to write? Are they supposed to, Nancy Drew's supposed to go to a race riot or something? What are you suggesting? No, I just think that, uh, I don't know, it seems weird that during a time of such turmoil and so much going on, a lot of books are written that have certain attitudes or moods to them depending on their times. And so this one yeah. is completely devoid of that whatsoever. Like, it's not yeah. like you have to reflect on what's happening, but there's just sort no. of a mood. Yeah, okay. This is as if it's uh, still 1950. This <laughs> whatever. Yeah, well, it's, you know, comfort food still books, right? Suppose, we talked about yeah. this with, like, the Hardy Boys, too. I mean, it's like, uh, I don't know, it's just it's hmm. fun and easy and just comforting to read, I guess, so. Some background on the author, the Carolyn Keene doesn't exist. It's a man named Edward Straithmeyer. He hired writers to write the manuscripts, uh, paid them each 125 bucks per book, uh, all under the name Carolyn Keene. Is that a lot of money back then? That doesn't seem like very much. I know, because it's got to take, like, months to write a book and have it edited and everything. Well... 125 bucks I, doesn't seem like much. Maybe not months, I don't know. There's not much to it, I guess, so... I suppose... Uh, Mildred Wirt Benson was the first writer hired for Nancy Drew books, and she's credited as the primary writer of the series uh, for the defining the character of Nancy Drew. Uh, Diana Dare, Stella Strong, Nan Nelson, or Helen Hare were names thought up before landing on Nancy Drew. Originally, Edward wanted it to be Nan Drew. Uh, many powerful women have cited Nancy Drew as one of their favorite characters, including Sandra Day O'Connor, uh, Sonia Sotomayor, Hillary Clinton, Laura Bush, Barbara Walters, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Edward Straitmeyer actually felt that a woman's place was in the home. 
Uh, the only reason why he created a female <laughs> detective character was because that he found great success in writing the male demographic for the Hardy Boys a few years earlier and wanted to tap into a female audience as well. So he just wanted to make money off oh. of them. It's the American way. Yep, exactly. Uh, Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys weren't the Straightmire Syndicate's only properties. Uh, they also had the Bobsy Twins, Tom Swift, uh, the, Dan- the Dana Girls, uh, Mystery Stories, and K. Tracy Mysteries. I've never heard of a lot of those. Neither have I. I've heard of the Bobsy Twins. I don't yeah, I've heard of that one. Too. Never read it or anything. I just like that this well, Edward not yet, guy. Well, right? Is that next on our list? God, no. I'm kind of think uh, <laughs> Edward Straitmeyer, who thought a woman's place is in the home, but just wanted to make money off of them by writing about women that aren't just sitting in the home, is also the one that probably came out with the highly racist version of the Hardy Boys, the copy that you have. Have you ever read that? <laughs> uh, no, not yet. It's, uh, it's on my shelf. Oh, my God. I'm surprised you haven't devoured that thing yet. Just see how horrible it is. Because <laughs> like you've said before, uh, if it was edited in the 50s because it was too racist, how racist was it? Because <laughs> the 50s yeah. were still pretty bad. No, I am curious. I, I will definitely read it at some point, but I just haven't gotten to it yet. But, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Because there, <laughs> there were a couple of uh, juicy racist lines in this in this book, so... Oh, yeah. There was a lot of swarthy men. Kind which we'll of, get to you later yeah, right? after, um, after the plot summary and whatnot. And some other horrible things, uh, objectifying yeah. certain women. Uh, but, yeah, I also kind of wonder, like, is is there any Nancy Drew copies that have been edited because they are too racist, too? <laughs> like Nancy Drew. Well, yeah, I think, the, I think these were things. all edited in the 50s and 60s, weren't they? Probably. I mean, okay. I know this one was written after anyway, but I think the earlier ones were re-edited. Yeah, right. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, they, they all started around the same time in the 30s, apparently, when this guy yeah. wanted to make money off of all these things. Uh, do you want to give your overview of the book? Yeah. <laughs> Did you just yawn? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it was a late night last night. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would, I would uh, very much like to talk about the story here. Give a, give a little overview of the plot. Are you ready, though? <laughs> yes, I'm ready. Uh, well, you better. I hope you are. You better, uh, fasten your seatbelts. Uh, a lot of action packed into the uh, 170 <laughs> odd pages of this book. So freaking ridiculous. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, Na- Nancy Drew here. She's a uh, she's a detective, uh, kind of an amateur detective. She's 18 years old. Uh, mm-hmm. Say she's a pretty attractive young woman too. Oh. It seems. And, oh, they uh, make that very clear. Yes, they do. Yes. Uh, physical beauty is is very important. In, well, it's in key. this world. It's key to a detective. Uh, she, she has a friend, uh, a Peruvian friend by the name of, uh, shit, I can't remember, Carla Pons. <laughs> forgot her name. I just read it this afternoon, too. Jesus. I know. I didn't write uh, down anyone's names or anything either, much less the countries that they go to. So this is going to be a pretty awkward episode. Go ahead. Yeah. Anyway, so she's got this uh, Peruvian friend, Carla Pons, who's uh, in, what's the name of the town? Riverview or something? Or, I don't know, somewhere in New England. Uh, yeah. She's going to, like, secretary school or something because she's a woman. Um, <laughs> she's uh, also quite an attractive young woman, I have to say. Yeah, you've said that. Um, but, of course, they also keep repeating it throughout the book, so you're yes. only staying true to its form. <laughs> anyway, uh, Carla has this, uh, f- for some reason, she brought this family heirloom with her to uh, New York <laughs> to go to, like, typing school. It's this plaque, this wooden plaque with a monkey on it and, like, some crossword puzzle on the back of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's very mysterious. There's a there's a mystery there to be solved around that. So um, <laughs> so there, there we go. There's some treasure or something associated with it. It's been her family for hundreds of years. So, again, not sure why she brought it with her. But anyway, they, uh, Carly decides that uh, Nancy Drew needs to come with her back to Peru to solve this mystery <laughs> on the plaque. So, which is happening in like a day and a half. Like. I know. <laughs> and her, Mr. Drew, Nancy's uh, dad, is okay with it. He's like, oh, the day after tomorrow? Yeah, you get on that plane, Nancy. You, you go find that monkey treasure. Um, so, so that's good. Uh, Nancy's mom is dead, by the way. So, uh, but they do have a housekeeper, so that's fine. So the dad doesn't have to actually do any parenting. So that's good. Um, so, so they they plan to go to Peru, and uh, of course they need to bring some other friends too. So, um, Nancy asks her friends Bess and George. Um, yep. George is a lady's name in this book, and uh, I have to say it's a name of a rather attractive lady. She's Slender and beautiful, George. Wait, George? Uh, Be- Bess is overweight. Be- Bess is the fat one. So hold on a sec. George is a girl. No. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? Yeah. I thought it was a boy. 
No, it's a girl. No, it's campy. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right, go on. Continue serious? telling the story. We're going to have to look this one up. There's nothing to look up. She's <laughs> they use female pronouns to refer to George throughout the entire book. They made it clear. Do they? Are you fucking serious? George is like the most sexist one out of the whole group <laughs> towards women. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Okay, well, I'm just going to hop into page 12 here um, when they introduce <laughs> Bess and George. After the lawyer had left for his office, she went to the phone to tell Bess Marvin and George Fain of Carla's invitation. Both girls were thrilled and said they would come as soon as possible to get more details. You're kidding me. Who did you think, did you think George was a boy just because she knows judo? Is that, is that what it was? No, they both, Bess and George, I thought, knew judo. George was the antithesis of her cousin. She was an attractive brunette with a slender figure. And Holy was interested shit. in many sports. I went through a whole book thinking George is a boy. No, they they made it quite clear George is a is a female. But George uh, is the most hateful attractive women through the whole book. <laughs> That's the crazy well, part. She's okay, an attractive on. brunette with a slender figure. And again, Bess is fat. That's mm-hmm. Bess's main uh, characteristic here. She's fat, and there's a lot of fat jokes throughout the book, and she oh, eats too much. The, yeah, I grabbed a ton of quotes, and they're all from George, which is part of the problem. But go on. Yeah. So anyway, they uh, uh, there's some intrigue around this monkey plaque, uh, as they discover before they even leave for Peru. There's some guy, shady guy, uh, pretending to be a, a cop or something, trying to confiscate it. And uh, George, the girl. Judo flips the guy and scares him away. Um, so then they go, they go to the airport. They stay at some motel by the airport and wait for their flight. And uh, Ned Dickerson is there. Ned is uh, Auntie Ju's special friend. He's a tall, good-looking boy. Yeah, Ned Dickerson is. And he drops her off at the motel and just leaves. Like, what the fuck, Ned? Yeah, that's it. He's out. <laughs> yeah. Ned, come on. <laughs> Make a move, Ned. Jesus. I know. <laughs> uh, so anyway, they, uh, they fly to Peru. Uh and uh, they, they go to, to Carla's uh, family's house in, in Lima, Peru. And uh, it's an attractive house. Mm-hmm. And the, the airport also in Lima, Peru is an attractive building. Yep. I, I was noticing many, many things were attractive. Not just the young women in this book, but many of the objects and, and settings yeah, were there's described as being very of, attractive. Uh, well, I'll save it for our review. Anyway, yeah, that's, not, it, what, that's not what this site was. We got to plot through this plot. So anyway... Uh, Carlos family, the Ponces, there. Uh, apparently there's some big shots there in Lima, and the dad's loaded. They got a mansion of a house with a bunch of artifacts in there, and uh, but they're, they seem like nice people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they do a lot of sightseeing. Uh, they visit some guy in a shop, and he tells them that this monkey wood is some special wood that's only found in one part of apparently what they used to call Argentina was the Argentine. Didn't know that. So anyway, they do some more sightseeing around Lima, and then they decide to go to the Argentine to find this wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, they think there might be some clues there. Also, I that was seemed to be a very sh- quick trip, even though uh, I, lo- I looked it up. Lima is uh, 2,800 miles away from this place that they're going to in Argentina, but uh, oh. they, they seem to be a short trip. Anyway, uh, anyway, they're also they're also being followed in this time. There's some shady character in the shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, El Gato. El Gato, the cat. Anyway, mm-hmm. he's he's following around Mercedes. He's up to no good. I don't like this guy. Um, <laughs> it's a lot so, of jumping back and forth. I don't know. There's, I, there's a lot of jumping back and forth. There's there's lots of attempted murder. Uh, they're they're really trying to kill Nancy Drew over yeah. and over again. And a by, ton uh, of plane flights. Doing doing things. Yeah, lots of plane flights. Yeah. Uh, they're throwing boulders at uh, Nancy Drew at yep. one point. Um, a bomb at one point. Yeah, there's a <laughs> bomb. Uh, there's a, a bundle of sticks or something like roll down her at Machu Picchu and oh, almost yeah. like push her off a cliff. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. they almost um, took down an entire plane full of people to try and kill her. Apparently, <laughs> so it's kind of fucked up. Uh, anyway, so yeah, they go to Ar- the Argentine to look at these special trees. And then they go back to Peru, and they, they go to, to Machu Picchu, and there's some stuff there. There's an Indian guy there who's very wise because, you know, it's a noble savage, apparently. Yeah. And then they, they um, the clues take them to the uh, the Nazca, what was it, Nazcan lines? Those big line drawings in the desert yeah. in Peru. Uh, they go there, that. and then they um, there's, there's a bunch of parachutists trying to kill them again or something or kidnap them, and then um, they subdue them, and then they find this treasure, and the... the the feds arrest the El Gato. He, it turns out he was also a smuggler. Anyway, well, the, tra- oh, the treasure, it was ink and gold. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They find a, and a mummy. Well, all right. Yeah, yeah, um, mummy. Yeah. Well, and, and also now that uh, Anansia solved the clue in the crossword cipher, she can uh, 
Next, I have the opportunity to solve the spider sapphire mystery <laughs> in Nancy Drew, number 45. This book just became confusing, and I'm like, I think I'm missing major things because they jump around so much. First, well, it starts out... Yeah, you're why? missing the gender identity for the main character. Well, I know, the so George well one. There. That one, that's... Wow, I'm really shocked that I just... Because it... I, I almost want to read through it again. Like, how little do they reference George's, like, pronoun, I guess. It's, maybe they mention it every time, and I just kept missing it, because I see the name George, and it's like, uh, boy, every single time. <laughs> but uh, George is constantly just getting down on Bess for... For being fat and eating too much. And 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 being, like, easy Boy crazy. Boys. <laughs> yeah, and also just, like, when she speaks her mind, basically George is like, shut up. <laughs> so it's just like it's constant. That's the reason why it's just like oh, so George is like just this sexist asshole or whatever. But it, no, George she's just a, a woman. bitch. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe you missed that. But yeah, they jump around like crazy. And, they uh, do, and uh, the, the events in this book take place over the course of like a week, right? I know, and they're constant. So it's so like you said, it starts out where they they get this weird wood plaque with like a monkey diagram on it and a cipher, <clears throat> but it's so old that most of it's worn away. So of course Nancy Drew's like, well, I can figure it out. And then it's like you have to go travel to Peru or whatever, and you've got to be there in person. You can just, they could have found out about those those glyph line drawing things made out in the on the sides of mountains. And they're the famous ones that everyone thinks is made either for or by aliens. So it's like giant animals or a man yeah. or whatever. Um, and they go, they're stretched for miles. Like it could be like a two mile long figure of a human being or whatever. Uh, you could have learned about that just by going to the library. Like, you didn't actually have to physically travel out there to go do it. Uh, also, another thing is take a picture of this wood plaque and carry the pictures around with you instead of constantly having to go from one hotel to another and then trying to hide the plaque. Yeah, because it, it keeps stolen. getting stolen. And, over yeah. and over again. And I love that the first time it got stolen, uh, it was at What's-Her-Name's house, and it was actually just like, or no, it was at Nancy's house. Because, uh, like, she let Nancy keep it overnight, and then it was missing the next day, and she's like, oh, my God, it's stolen, and it turned out to just be the, the, <laughs> the, the, the housekeeper. Like, just like, yeah. oh, I stuck it in a drawer, sorry. And I'm like, why do they even <laughs> write that? What's the point of having that point, <laughs> moment in the book? I don't know. And so they're constantly fighting with the plaque being stolen, and it gets stolen, and then it turns up, like, in a gift shop at one point, so they have to, like, buy it back. And yeah, I, I didn't understand the whole logic I know. behind that. Why? Like, Why did that have to be in the book at all? You could have taken out so much of this book. Elgato it, apparently stole it from their hotel room in the Argentine, and then yeah. sold it to the gift shop for some reason, and then the <laughs> yeah. gift shop put it up, like, what why'd you fucking steal it? Like what's going on here? I know none of it makes any sense really. And then it's like, why do they have to keep traveling? Like, well, it turns out maybe you, this wood can only be found in one place says the shopkeeper. So instead of just like looking that up or asking someone that would know, they have to go to the forest where the woods are to go ask someone who happens to be there in person. It's weird. It's like, a, yeah. And then the person who's there tells them to talk to somebody in Peru where they just came from. Like yeah. 2,800 <laughs> miles away. Like, that's a very wise Indian you should talk to. <laughs> I know. And then, of course, like you said, the noble savage role that that wise uh, Indian person is supposed to be portraying, of course, has paranormal gifts. He can see something like five miles away, like a condor sitting on a branch or something. Uh, to yeah, prove I didn't look into that. Is that that's, I'm assuming that's not have, not hmm. based in reality at all, is it? Do no, not at all. But they're just, <laughs> I mean, in the story, I mean, maybe it's like a weird thing that people used to say back then but i don't know i have no idea but by the way i just it, want to make clear i'm using the term indian here because that's how it's uh, used in the book so i'm just yeah. staying consistent with that well i mean if that term is already offensive this book is pretty offensive on its own and we're just repeating if they if they said the n-word in there would you repeat it ben <laughs> uh i mean i think i would be compelled to right that we do need to be accurate <laughs> we have to speak in the lexicon of the literature we're reading we yeah, have no I, other I, options i think it's important to be intellectually honest about it and not beat around the bush so uh so but i was being complimentary i said he's wise it's a compliment <laughs> well that's another part of this book. <laughs> but anyways they're constantly on the plane at one point the plane door just bursts open and like people almost fly out and i know yeah they're trying to get at nancy drew they yeah almost took down a jet I know. To kill her. To kill her. And they then it's like, so the plane that's yeah, dramatic and horrible. Yeah. But then when El Gato is supposed to 
throw a bomb at this one person's <laughs> shop or to destroy the evidence and stuff while Nancy and her whole friends and family are in there. And the cops uh, are there, too. <laughs> yeah. So he throws a bomb and it's your classic bomb. Like they have an illustration in the book. It's a round bomb with a wick on it. Yeah, like a cartoon bomb. <laughs> but apparently the bomb was too weak. To actually hurt, because when the bomb goes into this small room, yeah. George, the woman, says, everyone get on the floor. <laughs> so they do, and the bomb goes off, and nobody gets hurt. They're like, what kind of bomb was yeah, this? Yeah, just, just some bruises and scratches, they say. <laughs> I know, they, but it's like, was this But like it destroyed M80? a bunch of stuff, and then Nancy said something like, if the bomb had hit her, she, it probably wouldn't have killed her. I know, <laughs> because if you're on the floor five feet away from an actual real bomb, you would be dead. You would die. <laughs> but according to this, I don't know. None of it made any sense. So like some of the action is or some of the death or whatever, trying to murder her is like inconsequential. One time they tried to abduct. Uh, uh, was it Carla? Uh, the yeah. After she like dressed up like a prostitute and was yeah. like roaming the casino trying to find this Sanchez fellow. Yeah. And so then they, they try to take her by force. But then when Bess screams really loud, they just let her go. So it's like yeah. the, the action makes no sense. I don't, everything's just weird. It's so loosey-goosey it and made up on the fly, and nothing makes any sense why it's happening. I, I think there's just, like, so much stuff happening, and you just you don't have time to, like, think about it, probably, if, if you're no, reading it. You're just, you don't. It's like, and also, why I, I, were they so obsessed with oxygen on planes? So when the door blew, blew open on the one plane, <laughs> they all had to, they, they made a big point of how they all had to inhale oxygen from the masks. Yeah. And then later on, when they're in a different plane and they were going up over the mountains, they're like, oh, we're, we're hitting such a high altitude. You better put on your oxygen mask. So there's a lot written about how they all put on their masks, which is a good thing, because otherwise they would have passed out. Like, yeah. that's twice now. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, they, yeah, I don't, know. I don't know if it's really, they were just, also when they weren't on planes, they were just talking about the high altitude and the lack of oxygen up there, too. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, yeah. And it's it, important it, to yeah, get enough true. oxygen to your brain. Because in the so hotel, they're like, effect. if you're, you know, eat light and... Which I've never heard that before. Yeah. I've always heard yeah. drink a lot of water. Yeah, Bess, eat light. Come on. Yeah, that's another thing. Well, I've yeah, got those Bess, you fat cow. Don't have that third <laughs> piece of bread. <laughs> no. But yeah, even the hotel, they're like, we'll give you oxygen if you're feeling lightheaded. I'm like, that's how, why is this the running theme? I think the author just must have like learned that fact and maybe never been there. And just learned that fact and felt like, well, I've got to mention this a lot because that's what life must be like for them. <laughs> kind of like how when the, the first plane when the door flew off or the third plane when the door flew off or whatever uh talked a lot about yaw control i'm like oh i guess the writer just learned about what a yaw is on a plane (laughs) it's just like they couldn't control the yaw the yaw was a lot of joints just going on and on yeah because the door fell off and like hit the tail so yeah Yeah. the plane almost crazy weird and, and I just like I, I touched on this before, but I just thought it was weird how how many different things was described as attractive. Well, that was one thing: the is, airport, um, the hotel, the house, the yard. <laughs> it's the yeah, the thing I was I have that in my what the hell section was. It's an insulting. They're a lot like us, or what a quaint culture kind of narrative. So there's a lot of yeah. Hey, they play golf just like we do over there. <laughs> things like that. So, like, the husband is successful and handsome and whatever. Um, but so let's get into what sucked. Uh, ben, what do, you, do you have anything for what sucked for you in this book? Well, like you said, it was kind of hard to follow. There's a lot of shit going on. It didn't always make sense. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Again, I don't want to be too hard on it, though, because it's a book for children and it's supposed to be fun. So, um, I suppose. I think but, it was still weird as hell and kind of insulting. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a few problematic things about it. I mean, yeah, all the, the fat shaming was a little excessive and the, the sexism and the racism are, are there. So I, I wrote down everyone shitting on Bess. One section, Bess being a whore. The quote being, in broken English, the stranger told her that he was Peruvian. Uh, you are a beautiful girl from North America, he said. I like you. Uh, we make date, maybe? Uh, in her own mind, Bess decided that it was the last person in the world with whom she'd want to make a date. But then later, when they're having that weird lunch thing on one uh, on the mountain uh, with the handsome handsome waiters to come with them to serve them on this mountain or whatever, or they're going to have some kind of picnic. Yeah. I guess like Bess was super focused on those guys and how handsome they were, and George was giving her a hard time yeah. about it and stuff. And I was like, well, that's unfortunate. Just let the let the lady find love. Speaking of Bess and George, um, earlier in the book on page 41, uh, it's after they got to Peru. And oh. as Bess was preparing for bed, she remarked to George, there's been so much excitement since we left home. I feel as if I will burst. George grinned. 
Well, my dear fat cousin, <laughs> that may be one way to lose some weight. <laughs> How terrible well, I have is that? that? Yeah, you just took one of my quotes away there. Uh, oh. I have a, a couple of them. Two hours later, Bess and George, who were cousins, arrived. Bess, a blonde with attractive dimples, eh, was slightly overweight. She was always being teased <laughs> about it. Her slogan was, I'll start dieting tomorrow. <laughs> George was the antithesis. of Oh, you're right. George was the antithesis of her cousin. She was an attractive brunette with slender figure and was interested in many sports. Ah, well, yeah. well. Uh, another one besides one you just read. Uh, here, the tourists climbed a hill to the delight uh, to a delightful hotel where they had a tasty lunch, which included huge slices of homemade bread. As Bess reached for her third slice, George <laughs> grabbed her cousin's arm. No, you don't, she said. Meekly, Bess put the slice of bread back into the basket and finished her salad. <laughs> Uh, the desk, turk, uh, desk clerk told them that lunch would be served in a short time. Since there were so many visitors, it would be necessary to have two sittings. Uh, Miss Drew, will your group come uh, to the first one? You bet I will, Bess spoke up, laughing. I'm starved. George gave her cousin a withering look. Don't forget the instructions on the hotel door. Uh, eat light. <laughs> and the last one being, by the time Bess reached the top step, she was winded and had to sit down. <laughs> George was right. I shouldn't have eaten all that corn and Swiss cheese. <laughs> also when she speaks her mind um, at one point is uh, towards the end Bess smiled and began to examine the drawing of Machu Picchu a minute later she put one finger on a certain spot Nancy she said this is where you almost got or this is where you almost lost your life George looked disapprovingly at her cousin for Pete's sake Bess why can't you think of something cheerful <laughs> like what <laughs> like every time I see a monkey with a spiraling tail I'll think of Nancy and her mystery in Peru <laughs> Ugh. So, yeah, poor Bess. They just kept crapping on her through the whole damn book. Yeah. I mean, she's like Chet in the Hardy Boys, right? The, the hapless fat <laughs> yeah, friend. right. <laughs> oh, they're right. I didn't even think about that. This is just following a, a successful formula in the Hardy Boys. Yeah. You got to have the, the overweight, klutzy one. And Got anything about what's good in this book for you, Ben? Uh, like It's a fun, easy read, I guess, for action-packed for the kids. I don't know. Everything is is neatly resolved in the end, and it's straightforward adventure. And and I don't know if, if you're a kid reading this, you're learning about uh, Peru and Machu Picchu and stuff. So I guess that's cool. I suppose. <laughs> I wrote down <laughs> no idea all the flight, and then I wrote reference to yaw control. Those are the only things I could think of for what's good. I have a what the hell section. Uh, or I have stuff for that. Do you have anything in what the hell, Ben? Uh, yeah. So when they met the the wise Indian, um, the man's eyes were somewhat almond shaped, like an Oriental's, and his expression <laughs> kindly and humorous. <laughs> uh, I was uh, pulled out some examples of the whole "they're a lot like us" and "what a quaint culture" kind of narrative. Um, another one being "color smiled." I half expected that. Maponi, I don't know how to pronounce that, would yeah, be a uh, living in stone Indian. hut with a thatched roof. But the <laughs> Indians who live here today are quite modern. Many of them have <laughs> transistor radios and are no longer isolated for the rest of the world. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. Um, uh, another one is, uh, they're adorable <laughs> children, said Bess, and they look happy, uh, but certainly poor. Yes, Nancy agreed. Don't you long to do something for them? It's like kind of a white savior thing. Was there some... Uh, lesbian action being hinted at in here? No, I didn't Ever? catch that. I don't know. I, I felt like there's some undertones of that. Um, and then uh, there was a passage there. Um, they, they were caught out in the rain, and, and Nancy clothes were all wet. So As Ooh. Carla glanced at Nancy again, she said, You're soaked. We must go right back to the hotel so you can change your clothes. She smiled mischievously. You have a habit of getting all wet on my account. <laughs> oh, I might have to... Go it's not only the wine; is it's that she she said it with a mischievous smile too. I mean, what's uh, what's going on yeah. there? Car- Carla and Nancy have uh, might be something going on there. Uh, another example of George being a jerk uh, from the what the hell? Um, this quote. So that's when the the couple there was like when they went to the they had to go to museums too for some reason to go look <laughs> up pottery with monkeys on them. Yeah, they they did a lot of touristy sightseeing stuff. I know. <laughs> 
But so, yeah, there's a couple there at the museum, uh, an old man and a woman. The man's got a cane, and he keeps pointing at stuff with his cane. And the wife keeps saying, cut it out. You're going to knock something over. I can see it. You don't have to keep pointing at with the cane. And he says, don't you tell me what to do. Look at this over here. And so finally, uh, they find a pot with a monkey on it, and Nancy's going to go over to look at it. But the old man's there, and he almost, or he does knock the pot down with his cane. And then Nancy catches it. God damn it, uh, Charlie. Yeah, and then I guess like the old old man gets escorted out and stuff. So then everyone talks about, you know, what a couple of jerks they are. And uh, they said, after they had left, the girls burst into giggles. Best remark, if I had a husband like that, and then, or a wife like that, George added. More more of that, (laughs) more of that lesbian action there. I guess. I don't Mm. know. And I was thinking, like, what did the wife do wrong? She's like, put the cane down. Stop doing that. But apparently she's Maggie or something. Yeah, I I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, mentioning the other books always breaks the fourth wall. So you already talked about the <laughs> the uh, sapphire, the spider sapphire mystery. There's another one at the beginning where yeah, there were a couple the, of them at the beginning, weren't there? Yeah. Well, I found I think Nancy looked off into oh, this is in the beginning. Nancy looked off into space, having solved many mysteries, beginning with the secret of the old clock, and recently the mystery of the ninety nine steps, <laughs> which it breaks the fourth wall because it's like they're not. Like, if I have a bad day at work, I don't give it a title like that. <laughs> it's like, I don't have events <laughs> in my life that I title. But, yeah, then also that Nancy believes she has enemies. Uh, one of the quotes being, I'm sure it was my enemies who damaged the plane. They will go to any lengths to keep me from solving the mystery <laughs> of the plaque. That's <laughs> like, like I, but, all right, you actually think that the world has enemies? I don't have any enemies, I don't think. I mean, there's people that don't like me. But I don't think I have any. Oh, stop. Who wouldn't like you? Come on. Ah, well, you. Yeah, so one of my what the fuck moments was uh, they were. I don't remember where they were going exactly, uh, but they, they were the, the cops had arrested a couple of people. And so the girls were going to the police station and the, the gift shop owner was driving them there. Oh, um, yeah. Because she was like tied in it because she had bought this. So it's weird. So they went into town or whatever to uh, talk to the cops and see the suspects or whatever. Then they go back, but they made a point of stopping at church on the way back for some reason. So I thought that was kind of weird. Why did they do that? I don't remember that. I must have skimmed over that. Yeah, I don't know. It was weird. It was just like dropped in there. They, they, um, oh, it was when they were in the Argentine. And uh, mm-hmm. Chief Castro smiled. You girls have had a rough time during your stay in the Argentine. Do visit a country sometime to have fun. I'd like to, Nancy answered, and the other girls nodded. Senor Violetta took the girls to a church service, then back to the hotel. (laughs) Oh, so there's not even a scene in the church. They just mention that. Yeah, they're just just like, all right, we're done with the cops. We're just going to go to a quick church service, and then I'll bring you back to the hotel. (laughs) Well, it is Sunday, so you know, even though lives have been threatened and they've been traveling around the world. I don't know. I just thought that was a little weird how they just shoehorned that in there. I don't know why. Would you recommend it? No. Uh, uh, probably not. I no. Think, <laughs> I think you can find something better for uh, the, the kids to read. But Well, Ben, let's move on to Ben's Corner. Okay. Uh, is there a, a section you feel like reading? Yeah, we, we just talked about this. You told me what to read. <laughs> We're trying to pretend like we didn't have a conversation about <laughs> it, where I had to tell you what to read because you never look it up yourself. It was like 20 seconds ago. I, I, do you not remember it? It's called this editing. Is... I had to edit. Now there's no point now. Now everyone already knows. I shouldn't have. Just go. <laughs> uh, so they're uh, in uh, in Lima here, Lima, Peru, and uh, they're going to some palace, the Torre Tagli Palace. So. How grand it must have been to live in such magnificence, exclaimed Bess. They had paused in the central courtyard, surrounded by a high balcony. Oh, look, George exclaimed, pointing to a far <laughs> corner where an ancient coach stood. My, how elegant, said Nancy. Red tie-back curtains adorned the windows. And at the front, some distance ahead of the closed compartment, was the coachman's red plush seat. I'll bet this was a four-horse coach, said George as she hurried over. What the hell was that? Boy, I would love to drive it. She put her hand on the seat. I'd rather be a passenger, thank you, said Bess. She stepped forward in a stately manner. I am Isabella, Queen of Spain. Hasten to the party, coachman, with my king and me. Nancy laughed. Wait a minute, your majesty, how about a photograph? Bess handed over her camera and said loftily, 
I ought not to have my picture taken with a lowly coachman. <laughs> then as she giggled and George snorted, Nancy snapped the shutter. Carla had been watching in amusement. Come, she said, leading the way up the stairs to the balcony. I want to show you a special room. Uh, is that a Peruvian accent? I don't know. I was going to say, is that you trying to like sort of do an accent, but also not do an accent at the same time? I think so. <laughs> I didn't realize this was going to be you treading on dangerous waters. <laughs> Well, Ben, uh, that's it. Uh, I guess uh, you got any thoughts overall about uh, this uh, Nancy Drew? I don't know. I, I didn't. It seemed offensive enough where I wouldn't want a kid to read it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, I wouldn't strongly recommend it for the kids, but I mean, I don't know. I also don't want to shit on it too much because whatever. It is what it is. But um, yeah. yeah, I think if, if I had a daughter, I don't think I'd be. Uh, point here in, in Nancy Drew's direction right now. Even though she's this feminist icon, like you said at the beginning, that, you know, RBG and uh, mm-hmm. Sonia Sotomayor and all these other people were inspired by her. So that's good, but um, I, I don't know. I have to imagine there's there's better things out there than this. So Yeah. I mean, the guy's been dead for a long time, I'm sure. But the person who started the Hardy Boys started this and just a whole slew of others sounds like a horrible person. And uh, just the fact that he inspired you know, uh, young women uh, back in those times just to make money off them and it worked. Uh, the whole thing just seems crap. <laughs> like, I hate the entire thing. Yeah. But whatever. Uh, well, with that, uh, thanks everyone for listening. And uh, uh, if you're shopping for books, be sure to support local bookstores. Shop online with Bookshop. That's at bookshop.org. We're going to have a pre-recorded thing at the end. Why I know, but you- I pre-doing the pre-recorded thing, Ben. It defeats the purpose of the pre-recorded thing. I'm getting to that, because this one is time-sensitive. I just want to mention, if you're doing Christmas shopping on bookshop.org this year, the last day for Christmas uh, shipping deadline, get those orders in by December 16th is the last day of the priority or UPS. Uh, no. We'll get your bookshop orders to you in time for, for Christmas. So Again, that's bookshop.org. I bit your head off for nothing, Ben. I'd like to apologize to you. You didn't deserve that. I... I rarely do and yet you persist in (laughs) doing it time and again all right thanks for listening and uh we'll see you next week where we're gonna read uh yeah i I should say when you're shopping on bookshop.org you can check out our affiliate (laughs) shop where we have uh such titles as uh a novel by chuck dingle helicopter man pounds dinosaur billionaire ass (laughs) which i got to my last order from bookshop.org that's bookshop.org slash shop slash nuzzle house. I can't wait to uh, read up on the author and get some background information on because apparently all of Chuck Tingle's books involve sex with dinosaurs, and I don't know why. <laughs> I, I saw on the back it says, uh, can John Hams become the hardcore gay hero that he is destined to be? <laughs> or is this shifter bound to be nothing more than his own worst enemy? I can't wait to, to find out. This sounds like a compelling read. And again, it's only wonder, about 100 pages long, so that should be good. I kind of wonder, uh, over on Leaves of Glen, uh, I was I have a section where it's a single Glen, uh, where I just review like the upcoming romance books that will be coming out in the future. And some of them, I'm like, <laughs> these would be pretty hilarious. I kind of wonder if like, Ben and I should be reading a few. Yeah. Uh, one's about a woman, about a, a cowboy, and he decides to do like one of those auction things where he's like auctioned off to a single woman or whatever to like yeah. do stuff for it's like one of those cheesy mm-hmm. the, that premise. I don't even know if it happens in real life, but apparently like where you can auction a person for charity and then they go do work around your house for a day or two. And but of course this one's like a sexual romance thing because he's like a rough and rugged cowboy and no one's ever opened up his heart until this like shy nerdy bookish uh, library woman bids on him and wins and I was just like this is probably something Ben and I should read I wonder if we should have a whole month dedicated to romance uh, if we do it I think February would be the I was just thinking the same thing uh, isn't that February that's when Valentine's Day is <laughs> I haven't been in a relationship in a long time so I don't know <laughs> I've never had a relationship uh, yes. last long enough to get into Valentine's Day <laughs> I'm actually yeah I'm on a, a two year streak of actually being uh, in a relationship on Valentine's Day so I don't know if I'm going to make that to three years in a row, though, this year. We'll see. 
Time's running out. I can help it. It's the only one way to get the uh, podcast successful. Let's make sure that I sabotage every attempt uh, for you to meet a woman. <laughs> I don't think you need to do any sabotaging. It seems to happen on its own. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, uh, everyone, thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. If you liked what you heard on this episode of The Book Boys, how about you check out the website? Go over to nuzzlehouse.com. There you can see all of the previous episodes of The Book Boys, as well as Glenn's other project, Leaves of Glenn. Also there, there's a link to our affiliate shop at bookshop.org. It's bookshop.org slash shop slash nuzzlehouse. Bookshop.org is on a mission to financially support independent booksellers. Also... Find us and follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Insta. Now, careful, this one's a little backwards. We're there at House Nuzzle, not Nuzzle House. That's House Nuzzle on Twitter and Instagram. Go ahead and slide into our DMs if you have any praise or suggestions or complaints. We'll take anything. Please just pay attention to us and interact with us. Thank you for listening.